0: Here we are again then for another episode of my Sticky from the Inside podcast. And today we're going to discuss a topic that will probably, if I'm honest, feature quite a bit from time to time on the podcast because it's a topic I love. It's a topic that I think is important to businesses and very in tune with, I guess, particularly how younger people are making decisions about companies and brands, including who to work for. And because there's a lot of evidence to show, it has a hugely positive effect on business performance. But also, I think that there is a ton of confusion about what it is, what it's for, and we're talking about company purpose. And in particular today, I want to focus on its people unifying powers. And with me through the power of Zoom to get stuck into this topic today is Julian Sape. Now, Julian is a former opera singer and that's my first ever opera singer on this podcast he's an entrepreneur he's a business leader and the original founder of Zafferano, which over 15 years became one of london's most highly acclaimed food and event management brands and after that in 2018 the company was acquired and julian exited but don't worry he's okay he's now a member of the forbes coaches council and an international executive coach focusing on leadership and executive education with the aim, and I love this, of bringing new consciousness to human performance. Hello, Julian. Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you here, my friend. We have got a lot to cover today, but uh, I cannot leave the opera singer thing just hanging there, right? So please tell me a little bit, where where's that come from? Well, I grew
1: up in a musical family, and, and I sang as a child. I was a chorister, and and... And one thing led to another. I then uh, took boy soprano roles with the English National Opera and Royal Opera House. And it was such a, a, a formative part of, of my childhood and who I am, that I just made the assumption that that's what I do when I when I, when I grew up, I guess, and, and when my voice broke. And so after university, I went to music college and trained. And lo and behold, I'm singing at the Royal Opera House. And that's what I did for eight years before I decided that i wanted to be a businessman
0: <laughs> the easy transition right yeah. <laughs> amazing brilliant i mean we have so much in common i i oh. i was a chorister. i i was a i wore a surplice oh. and a robe and all that kind of caper and uh sang for the queen mum the night that she swallowed a fishbone in westminster abbey do you remember that night i mean that's a that's a long time ago and showing my age right but um Wow, I didn't know we had that connection. I mean, mine stops about the age of sixteen, and yours clearly went on a bit. But uh, that's nice. That's nice to know.
1: I, I mean, what's what's sad right now for me, actually, and I, I was just posting about it on social media, is is the decimation of of the performing arts. And you know, I I don't sing professionally, but I but I live the professional careers vicariously of all my former colleagues, and to see them all not doing what they're they were born to do is is really painful. So as as soon as opera and and live music comes back the better
0: well i mean i i I think that's that's right it's so sad to see and i think opera i mean i i've had a couple of powerful experiences with with opera i mean i literally genuinely have pavarotti's version of caruso on a playlist in my in my iphone and if i put that on i'd nearly always cry i mean there we are proper sharing um, but it's such an emotional thing, and I'm not saying I'm a massive opera buff because I'm because I'm not. I'm probably far more Bon Jovi than Bizet, I would have thought. But there's a really strong emotional connection that's given off between singer and audience when it's when it's good, right? Would you agree with that?
1: Without a doubt, and I and I think we'll talk about you know the human element in 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 the workplace and. Actually, with with bel canto singing, which is the traditional operatic style, which is about using your body to its full potential. You know, your throat is open, your larynx is low, your rib cage is open. You have diaphragmatic support. This is this is sound production using the full potential of the human body. Mm. This is this is not a fabricated pop singer sound. Albeit, I I I, I think there are many great pop artists, but but that traditional bell canto style is about maximising the resonant potential. Of, of the physical self and and i think there's something for us to learn about that when it comes to talking about uh the human in the workplace
0: I, I couldn't agree more my friend and without wanting to sort of use a virtual crowbar to get us into the the topic today that emotional human connection is i think one of the principal elements behind fashioning a workable usable company purpose right
1: absolutely um i was listening to something last night um and it was talking about the difference between desire and vision, and nice. you know, if I think back to my career as an entrepreneur, you know I reckon you know I, with hindsight hindsight 's a wonderful thing. I look back and I think that my my drive was fueled by uh, desire and, and personal ambition and, and my steep learning curve was was how to embrace. Uh, or rather, how to how to how to sort of capture a vision and share it with people and get people on board. Because I, th- I think if you if you're you know entrepreneurs, yeah, you know, there's a big ego trip about being a, an entrepreneur. There's a lot of vanity, and, and I see it in in the in the young entrepreneurs that I coach. You know how how can entrepreneurs step away from their personal goal and desire and share a vision to uh,
0: which embraces the collective. Well, nothing gets done without the will of the people, right? So that's hugely, hugely important. So from your perspective, what what is it going to take, or what does it take to bring more of that humanity into businesses today? I mean, can you define what you think that that really is, and and does it have a difference to aligning yourself to a, a noble or a social cause, say?
1: Sure. well, I think it, I think it's you know we think of the business and we think of the goal. Um, and we think of the return on investment for stakeholders. But I think it, is start, it has to start with the individual and the self and, and where the individual and, and the DNA of the founder of the business or the, the DNA of the brand, you know, where all those things coincide and understanding that, you know, the authenticity of the, of the person leading the business in tandem with the authenticity of the brand and how that story is is understood And shared is 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 pivotal so so yes i think we we can we can touch it it does start with the identity either of the person or of of the 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 reason for the business itself
0: yeah and and you touch on the fact of the effect on the people inside the business outside of that that entrepreneur the leader the the driving force and you know i think as a as a member of the workforce really understanding your place, your contribution to that purpose can really, I think, serve as a hugely powerful form of emotional compensation, if if, if you like. It, it's more than the cash. It's 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 another reason for being in the business that you can connect to and can help kind of drive your interest, performance, desire, whatever that may be.
1: Sure, I like to think of it as uh, people often talk about the ripple effect. Yeah. And, and if you think of a you know let's use the metaphor of a of a pebble it you know the pebble drops in a, in a still pool of water and you get those lovely concentric circles and and the pebble is 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 the essence it's it's the starting point for whatever it is that's going to resonate with other people and you know if we think of of leadership you know whether we want to talk about leadership or whether we want to talk about brand but in a, in a way they belong to the other that if if there's a if there's a truth about that starting point you know whether we want to say you know the the mission or the vision is crystal clear to the person who embodies that vision and and then shares it and and the whole impact ripples outwards you know we we all want to receive positive waves positive energy that we can we we can we can make our own and so i think that that ripple effect is a lovely metaphor for
0: something that's got some truth about it and people believe it. Yeah, I mean, beliefs massive, right? Massively important to, I guess, the effect of of the purpose. In your time in building businesses, uh, successful businesses, and and fostering a real kind of culture of can do and and belief. What what were the keys to driving that belief in the purpose for you?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I, I look back at my business career, and I would, I would, I. Simply would divide it into two parts. One was ego, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 there I, I reached a ceiling point where there wasn't a place I could go further because I couldn't take people with me. And and post that sort of vanity trip, there there was this realization that uh, I needed to create an ecosystem where everyone could show up. Um, so just to, to, to quickly give you a little bit of insight. In, in, in part one, as I said, it's, it's driven by personal desire. This is what I want. This this is an expression of my personal energy, my vision, my goal. Come with me or you'll get left behind or I'll get very frustrated. And, you know, the, I think there is there is a, a stereotype of the entrepreneur that kind of throws his toys out of the pram when things don't go well. Um, and then, you know, for me, there was a wake-up call of, we have something very good here, but I I'm not quite sure how to make it happen. And I, I I think that that moment of vulnerability and 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 humility and 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 a realization that I actually didn't know how to do it was was the gateway to me going out and and
0: attracting and looking to work with people who who could help me. Actually, that's incredibly interesting because I think that fork in the road is the place where you win or lose, right? Because a load of guys will continue, I, I I, think, to try and push the vanity project. But that's only going to take so many people with you. It can only get you so far. And unless you see that there is an alternative fork in the roads to bringing more people with you, you're limited, right? You're, you're limited on how far you can go. You, you need that groundswell of people. You need more people to believe, more people to come with you, to create its own momentum to really take that thing to full effect well that's my impression i mean you're you're a man who's been there
1: you're you're absolutely right it really was a fork in the road and and you know i, I took the road less the proverbial road less traveled and <laughs> and it did pay dividends but it was a very painful journey in the sense that you know we had to do this whole audit on this is not the julian show you know what why are we here why are we here? We're in a very competitive market. It's a level playing field of companies doing exactly the same thing. You know, why are we here? And we, we did, you know, it was about reflecting, me to reflect personally and also as, as a collective to reflect on, you know, people talk about refreshing your brand and doing a brand audit. But it, but it really was deeper than that. It, it really was a question of, of why are we
0: here? I mean, that is a fundamental, the fundamental question behind purpose. Right And I think it can be seen as a quite a, I don't know, ethereal, fluffy sort of question. why why why, why are you answering? Why, you, why are you even asking that sort of stuff? Interesting enough, Julian, I was lucky enough to go to a, a foundation forum the other night led by Charlie Dawson and the guys from the foundation, and some amazing speakers, including Sarah Gillard, who's head of mission for John Lewis. And they are going through right now what they call, you know, the 100-year project. You don't change your purpose that often. It's done about once every 100 years. And and bless her, she has, she has the can on this project and takes it incredibly seriously. And she talked about that particular question and a real nervousness about walking around, talking to employees, customers, suppliers, at a time that we're dealing with right now and, and asking this question of, well, why do you think we're here? Why do you think we exist? And really nervous about what the response would be. In, in something that could be perceived as, like I say, quite airy-fairy. And she was staggered by the response because employees, suppliers, customers, I mean, they all wanted to have their say. They all wanted to contribute to that. So for anybody thinking that that well-written question of why do you exist, that it's overplayed, unnecessary, and and, and a bit for the birds, you need to wake up because I think – opening that door really can release a, a, a huge tool for, for driving your business forward, for really sort of driving a, a, an incredible momentum and unifying power behind the people that make it happen every day.
1: Sure. I, th- I think that, you know, reflecting on on your why is is absolutely fundamental. And, and you know, you use the, the word airy-fairy, mm. that the, the purpose is something sort of intangible or it's up in the clouds and actually you know and I'm talking here from personal experience because you know if if you think of John Lewis this is a is a sort of highly evolved uh, organization and I'm talking about a, a a much smaller business but you know to to, to step back and ask that question to reflect and, and often you know where you come from what is your personal transformation story why is that impactful for other people mm-hmm. and you know in my case it was very much about performance you know it it's it's it was in the strap line of the company that i grew and it's in the strap line of the coaching work that i do that you know performance is this lovely metaphor for changing people we all love a great performance you know it there's there's, there's something about it that that makes our world different um it's also about our own potential you know we we talk about performance and 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 i'm also very clear to point out that you know performance when it's talked about in the workplace not not as in terms of attainment but much more about growth and behavior you know how how can we perform to our best you know how, how can we how can we be our best selves um not just achieve the best results for someone else but 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 really bring wholeness into into what we do
0: I think that's I think that's great. I think that's that's good. I think actually just picking up on one word for you, that's a trigger for me. And and you talk about the strap line. I think that's where loads of people get hoodwinked with purpose, and they believe it's all about having a funky strap line that will somehow galvanize everybody. And the reality is, those are those things are brilliant for communication. Right? The the, the strap lines are very very useful tools, but it's the detail that goes behind the complex and comes out as simple that's the real key in this and that comes from having a a really warts and all honest look at what you're doing why you're doing it who you're doing it for who wins why they win all those things uh so it's it's just more than a strap line and this is a, a guy who's loved strap lines over the years but they well, are I mean, I mean imp- we
1: could have another podcast on on strap lines <laughs> I yeah. love it. am i am I allowed to wear my coaching cap and challenge you on that strap line?
0: Idea? I, I expect uh, to be challenged.
1: <laughs> so I love I, I I love I mean, I totally agree with your point that the, you, you can't change the world with a strap line, and actually, it's that sort of incremental unpicking exactly what everyone wants to do, should be doing and 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 piecing it together moment by moment that that's the real work, of course but I think in the strap line there's strap lines and strap lines there's a strap line that you you pick off the internet for your business card mm-hmm. and there's a strap line that really defines uh, intuitively why why you're in town so so I think you know to to believe that to come up with a strap line of, and for that to be the answer to your to your big question is wrong yeah. but to reflect on a on a strap line that is really true to your purpose and sort of intuitively uh, who you want to be and how you want to do it is a great starting point to then say, well, okay, we're we're in the game of big performance here. What does big performance look like? How can we unpick it? What does big performance mean to you? And and, and then start to extract all all the goodness and possibility in, in that one word or that one line and, and then start to flesh it out. A bit like the ripple effect, you know, the, the, that stone on its own stands for nothing.
0: Absolutely. I think we're actually agreeing, but I, I, I come back to, I guess, the, the, the metaphor of purpose and what it's really there for and, you know, why, why we exist. You know, the stock answer for lots of people to think about it is, well, we're here to make money right no money is the result of delivering against your purpose and to me the strap line is the result of the thinking behind your purpose so i think it has an incredibly important place i think it's just that it's the it's the glitter that people can sort of focus on but it's the depth that you really you really need to understand to have something that's going to work for your business and really become a kind of driving force for it going forwards sure
1: and and you know again, are we talking about businesses, SMEs, large organisations? And I, I, I think I think the you know the, this this is a huge uh, subject matter, and it's complex. And um, sometimes I'm nervous about banding around abstract ideas, but I, but I think we are going to be seeing a shift in. And I'm going to use my own word here: consciousness. Nice. Um, from organisations where the sole purpose is a return for their stakeholders, yeah, to organisations that, as Frederick Laloux says, uh, embody more of a living organism sense, so that the essence of what that organisation does resonates, vibrates with the, the people that show up every day or want to show up every day, want want to bring their whole selves, you know, this whole talk of entrepreneurship and, and collective wisdom, people do not no longer want to be servants of someone else's plan. Mm. People, people want to feel uh, like they're part of something. They're part of a community that it, it's shared endeavor. The, the creativity is, is, is a collective thing. And, I I think the times are changing. So I think that's an interesting
0: point to sort of get into another area, which is what is it that then is stopping more businesses taking time to think properly about what their purpose is and what their organizational shape behind that looks like? I mean, the, the, the Lalu stuff about teal organizations is, I mean, it's quite, when you read that book, it takes a while to, to, the, the, the theory of it sounds lovely, but it's quite an abstract notion, right? It's it's a complicated thing in essence to get your head round. It just shows how conditioned
1: we all are, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know, I think there's a lot of fear. You know, what as you say, what is it that's stopping us make this shift? I think it's fear. Yeah. I think you know, we're stuck in a rut of a particular model. You know, the the the, the free market has gone mad. Free market has been a great thing. It's been a it, it's been a great space for individual expression. Um, look what we've seen over over the last 20, 30 years in terms of innovation. However, um, it's, it's, it's been exploited and we're, we're in a dangerous place now where if the sole purpose of an organization or a business is to produce a financial return mm. for the people who aren't even in the business, then this is where we've got a problem. But I think the people leading these businesses uh, are indebted to their investors and stakeholders. And and therefore, to, as as you say, why why can't we just shift it? Or why 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 do these new ideas feel so radical? I don't think they are radical. I read no. them and I kind of think they make total sense to me. However, I, I think underpinning that that shift is a lot of fear, a fear of change, and a fear of well, hang on a sec. I'm I'm sort of in it for myself, and I'm in it to make someone else's lot good. And I'm talking about the sort of the the top tier of involvement here in terms of leadership and ownership and and and. Um, investor stakeholders, but we've sort of left something behind.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I always found it tricky in in businesses when I was putting together plans or communications to try and engage the the workforce when the conversation was around the benefit of doing this is we'll make more money for shareholders. I can just see the the crowd in front of me as I stand up at a conference stage and deliver that. And they're all on their feet, clapping, going, yay, make more money for the guys with the money. Brilliant. Thank you. That's that's hugely engaging, Andy. I'm coming over the top with you. And that never, ever, never worked. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the switch. It is finding the place for the people in your business to be able to kind of unite behind something that means something to them, that adds some worth mm-hmm. or greater worth to what they do. And that they can really see how they're contributing to it. Now, that's a much easier message to go and stand on a, a conference stage and deliver to someone to try and engage and motivate and inspire them. Um, and the result could actually be even better for the shareholders by, by doing that, rather than that kind of, I guess, myopic focus on the end result. But that's just a, that's, that's my experience. That's my theory. But that's what drives a lot of what I think and uh, and talk about
1: i think I think we're seeing a change for sure i mean even in Lalu's book you know he's got he's got twelve case studies of of teal organizations and and some of them very very large organizations some of them haven't worked some of them have sort of compartmentalized within within the business what is teal and and what is non teal um but i i i think that it's exciting stuff and it, it, if anything you know uh, we need to immerse ourselves in these ideas even just to challenge the status quo.
0: Yeah, well, we'll. I'll put a link to uh, Lalu's book, uh, Reimagining Organizations. It's reinventing organizations. Reinventing organizations. That's, and that's and actually, I am going. I'm going
1: to use his strap line because I know you love strap straplines. <laughs> inspired, inspired by the next stage of human consciousness.
0: It's a it's a fascinating read, and we'll put a link uh, in in the show notes for anybody trying to get their head around this this process. As I said, the basic premise makes complete sense. Taking the leap to going doing it is a is another kettle of Cutler fish.
1: Well, just to say, as, as Lalu himself says, you know, you need a board, you need a CEO, you need a leadership team that are totally on board yeah. with, with, with these ideas. And it might take six months to even a year to to to, to coach the conversation towards making these, you know, which are, you know, they're, they're, they're seismic shifts in, in, in how organizations are structured.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've looked at what we think is stopping us. We've looked at the theory of it all. I mean, when we've spoken before, you've talked about that almost heart of authenticity right at the core of everything. I mean, can you elaborate on that on your on your feelings towards authenticity when it comes to purpose? Sure. I think it has to start with ourselves.
1: It starts with ourselves. I I I don't think you you can create a brand narrative. You can't create a, a, a structure around something that isn't real. Yeah. And so I think it, you know, it starts with ourselves. I'm I'm Forgive me if this sounds absolutely outrageous, and and you're talking to a, a former classical opera singer. But I was watching, and this is my kids' generation. I was watching Lizzo from Glastonbury live. Nice. And you know, she, you know, she says we can't save the world until we save ourselves. You know, and unless unless we know um, who we are and why we're here, how how can we inspire trust? How, how can we ask people to? Dig deeper into their creative thinking if they don't feel safe or they believe the person that's in, that's inviting them to do that. So I think it, you know it does start with ourselves and authenticity is about bringing wholeness, um, all of ourselves, not not just our, our our sort of trump card and you know our our sort of our ego, but but bringing our vulnerability, bringing our questions. I, lo- I love the work of Hal Gregerson. You know, he, his book, The question, the Questions are the Answers. You know, so as soon as we ask a question, we create huge possibility. Mm. If we come in with the rules and saying, this is how it's going to be, we immediately shut down possibility. So if we're talking about unifying purpose, if, if I come in and, and, and tell a thousand people, this is how it is and this is what you will do, where, where does that leave them?
0: Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> or in a very difficult spot. I mean, tangible, intangible things, there's a combination here of making these things work that probably includes a bit of trust, passion, and belief, a harnessing an attitude behind it. But then this you're still going to need the tangible things to kind of make these things happen, right? You're still going to need some process. You're still going to need some goals. And you're going to need a relentless kind of pursuit of this of this thing, right? I think those are some of the key factors that will make these things work will make them things real. Mm. Is that, is that the path you trod? Is that what you saw?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the here and now uh, in COVID and I've talked a little bit about this, you know, how do you show up as a leader or how does an organization show up during COVID, you know, Mm. and, and, and asking these questions rather than panicking uh, or, uh, you know, some knee jerk reaction, the, the, creates a plan that no one really believes and and instead sitting with the uncertainty. And and that is real. You know, if we're talking about authentic it's, it's authentic to sit with uncertainty and discomfort when the, the way forward is unclear. That is real.
0: Mm. That
1: is authentic. And unless we allow for that space, we, we won't know what could have emerged. So I think authenticity is not, you know, I think we think of purpose and potential and performance as, as doing things, often doing things, you know, I'm going to be my best self and I'm going to do this and I'm going to hit that goal. and I'm going to get that return. But sometimes authenticity and potential is about just holding the space, just being present to be and, and you know I, I feel in that you know even in this moment I, I we've addressed this issue and I can feel there's 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 a little bit of powerful silence here. Yeah. And that's real. And authenticity is about being real. And unless we explore that, we
0: we sort of shut down where we could go. The silence is I mean, if this was a really good mic, you'd just hear an awful lot of brain cogs whirring, Julian, which happens every time I sit and listen and speak to you. So I'm actually quite pleased I've got, you know, a pretty basic microphone here because you just hear rusty cogs whirring, whirring, whirring. It's very, very thought provoking, and it's the fastest half an hour I think I've had in goodness knows how long, which means. I'm fast running out of time and we've barely sort of scratched the surface. But I I want this podcast to be a real practical tool for people, even, even on, you know, some would say abstract topics like purpose. I don't think it's abstract at all. I think we've discussed that it's not abstract at all. It's a very real thing. It's a, it's a really galvanizing business tool that more people should take advantage of. But I have this part in the podcast, Julian, that, that I like to call sticky notes, right? So this is the attempt to sort of get theories onto three sticky notes because you know i have not a massive capacity for taking information away and three sticky notes normally works for me and so after every guest has kind of blown my mind i asked them for three sticky notes these are the things that my listeners can practically take away and use to start moving forward with engagement or improving their workplace culture or even things like defining a purpose so um, if you were to leave behind your three sticky notes on the virtual wall of uh, Sticky Studios here, what would those be? Well, I, th- I think all three
1: come under the the banner of space. Okay. And, and I think that the first one would be allow some time to stop and reflect. That's my first sticky note. And that could be a regular practice or it could be a considerable chunk of time you'll know what's right for you. I, I think then in the name of space, allow space for yourself in terms of your self-management and just asking that question of why, you know, who am I and why am I here? And and then the third sticky note is to create space for other people. We've asked that question of ourselves and now I ask that question of you. Who are you and why are you here? And And to create that space. And when we've both understood who we are and why we're here, how can we align those two sticky note number two and three? You know, how how can, how can we bring our two spaces
0: together to create something special? More silence from me while I take those sticky notes in amazing, amazing stuff. A lot to think about there. Julian, thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts today. I, I'm going to have a headache after this, as I go away and, great space to ever think about things i i think my take out from this conversation today is that having a common human focused purpose is it's not just about being on vogue or having a a rally cry it's it's a genuine real opportunity to encourage uh, alignment of effort and resources but to affect a really concentrated potent result in the end amazing great julian thank you so much my friend thank you very much for being here today i really appreciate that and uh, i've absolutely loved talking to you thank you very much likewise andy okay speak to you soon take care okay if you'd like to find out more about julian and some of the things that we've spoken about today you can find some really useful links in the show notes so that concludes today's episode I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.